how you feel about your body does not exist in a vacuum. It's not just about your body. It's about all the things in your life. And I ask people to really reflect on how size-friendly their life is. You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast where we talk about diet culture, fat phobia, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Smith, and I also write the Burnt Toast newsletter. And today I am chatting with Mia O'Malley, a content creator on Instagram, at Mia O'Malley and at Plus Size Baby Wearing. Mia's work sits at the intersection between fat advocacy and momfluencing. She's doing a lot of important work on access to fat-friendly doctors. And we also talked a little bit about mom influencing and the potential and promise for fat advocacy in this space and also the barriers that still exist. So here is Mia, but first a quick break. If you enjoy the conversations that you hear on the Burnt Toast podcast, please consider supporting Burnt Toast by becoming a paying subscriber. It's just $5 per month or $50 per year, and this gets you a whole bunch of great perks, including subscriber-only bonus episodes. You also get all the reported essays and my monthly Ask Virginia column delivered directly to your email, and you'll become a part of the Burnt Toast community with commenting privileges and our super awesome Friday thread discussions. Just click the link in your episode description or go to virginiasoulsmith.substack.com to subscribe. And if you want to support the show but don't have $5, remember you're also helping tons when you subscribe for free in your podcast player and leave us a rating or review. Or just tell a friend about the show or just keep listening. That works too. Whatever you do, thank you so much for supporting independent anti-diet journalism. Hi, Mia. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Virginia. I'm so happy to be here. And I just want to thank you for your work. And I'm really honored to be talking with you. And I appreciate all the things that you do. That means so much. Thank you. Why don't we start by having you tell listeners a little bit about you and your family and your work? Hi, I'm Mia. <laughs> I am Mia O'Malley on Instagram and at Plus Size Baby Wearing on Instagram and TikTok. I'm a content creator. I'm based out of Connecticut. I'm a mom of a almost four-year-old, and I do a lot of work on my social platforms on advocating for people in larger bodies and sharing resources for people in larger bodies and how to navigate the world and a lot of stuff in between. I'm a baby wearing educator as well with a focus on celebrating parenting in larger bodies. I love it. Sarah Peterson was on the podcast recently and we Saying your praises on the baby wearing piece in particular, that was something I really struggled with with both of my babies and never really got the hang of. And I know that the bias against fat bodies, fat moms, like all of that really came into play for me. So I'm really grateful for the work you're doing to kind of change that conversation. Thank you. As I was doing my homework for this episode, I read your interview on Cup of Joe, which we'll link to because it is great fashion inspiration. And I love that you said you look at fashion as an advocacy issue. So I'd love to hear, you know, was this always your plan or how did this come about? So I was pregnant with my son around 2017, 2018, and I felt very isolated as a fat pregnant person. I had taken these maternity photos and they were beautiful maternity photos. But when I shared them, I was like, this isn't the whole story. These photos were really hard for me to take. I couldn't find anyone who looked like me who had done maternity photos, like for inspiration, if you looked on Pinterest or anything like that. It was no bodies that looked like mine. And that's kind of how I felt going through all of my pregnancy. Just that, you know, I never saw people in 
similar bodies, like being pregnant and living in the world as a pregnant person in a larger body, I felt very underrepresented and I felt isolated. And so when I posted my maternity photos, I kind of said that quiet part out loud. I said, I feel invisible as a plus size pregnant person. And that kind of just, that post was really popular, but it was a lot of people sharing those same stories. And my world kind of opened up with that post, just in the sense that I kept saying those quiet things, those things that I kept to myself, I kept saying them out loud. And I realized that that story is like so many other stories. There are other people like me who are feeling the same way. And not only to be in community with those other people is amazing, but it also made me realize that the fat experience is so shared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all going through a lot of the same things across generations. We have really similar experiences. So when you share a story or you share a piece of clothing or you share about how you traveled somewhere and you are a fat person sharing those things, often that becomes advocacy just by the nature of sharing it, whether or not you intended to do it, because we are so underrepresented, because our stories are not often told, because there are so many spaces where we don't feel welcome or safe or comfortable. And fashion is just another one of those issues. I can't talk about fashion without seeing it as an advocacy issue. There's people who can't find winter coats. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's people who literally don't have a bra that fits them at their size. Like it doesn't exist. You talk to people who are fat and pregnant. Like I talked to someone who was a C-suite executive and she has nothing to wear to meetings with, you know, with her colleagues. As a pregnant person, she has no suits that fit her. Yes. And she talked about, you know, just how humiliating that was for her. Mm -hmm. And so when we say those quiet things out loud, they become advocacy issues because so many people have that shared story. So yeah, I talk about fashion, but it often becomes about sharing resources Mm -hmm. because there's so many people that feel like certain things are inaccessible for them and are truly inaccessible for them. And then the same thing goes for baby wearing. You know, so many parents said to me, I didn't even think I could wear my baby at the size. And that's not true. There's plenty of options for all bodies to wear their babies, but there's a perception that this is an inaccessible thing to do because of marketing, because the lack of representation. So it's all interconnected for me. Was it scary to start sharing? Because I think a lot about how what advocacy asks of us is often to share in a very personal way. And you're right, it's so important because you're articulating something that someone else is dealing with and hasn't been Mm. able to say out loud. But that means you're the person who has to say it out loud. I have to take really long breaks from some of the work that I do. I will take like week or two long breaks where I don't post content and I step away because I hold so many people's stories. Most of my time spent online is in DMs, sharing stories, sharing stories anonymously, sharing resources. But that comes a lot with having to face my own experiences that were hard, right? And also other people's experiences that are hard. And it's a lot to hold on to. So I do take a lot of breaks. and I do experience burnout from it, but I also find it incredibly rewarding. And it's the part of this work that I love the most, but it is hard. 
Yeah, I'm glad you have that strategy. It has taken me a long time to figure out that I also need those breaks and need to build in that time. Before becoming as fully in this community as I have been, my experience as a writer slash advocate was as a medical mom. And Mm. a sort of similar thing happens where once you've been public about your experiences in the medical mom world, people send you their stories. And those stories are often really tragic and really linked to Mm -hmm. my own trauma. And I can imagine there's a similar thing here where people are sharing with you traumatic experiences that you have also lived. People then feel like you are an advocate on this issue, so I need to make sure you're informed of every related headline or celebrity comment or anything that comes up in this space, like every fat phobic comment, I better send your way. And it's like, no, I got it already. (laughs) It's a lot of energy, but I think that's why I'm so passionate about resources. Some people will tell me, what's your advice for feeling better about your body? Or how do you feel better about more positive about your body, more neutral about your body? There's so many strategies and there's certainly people who do this professionally, but where it really comes down to for me is I tell people like how you feel about your body does not exist in a vacuum. It's not just about your body. It's about all the things in your life. And I ask people to really reflect on how size-friendly their life is. How comfortable are you in your body on the day-to-day? Is your work chair comfortable? Is your partner supportive of you? Is your car comfortable? Do you have a winter coat to wear? What is your workspace like? How comfortable is your bed? Is your couch comfortable? You know, all these things. Like, It's about the world that we operate in and how comfortable we are in the body that we're in right now. And that really influences how positively we can feel about our bodies. It's just not about how positively we feel about our thighs or our belly or something like that. It's much bigger. Diet culture teaches us that weight is this personal responsibility project, and we know that's bullshit. But then often the next part of the conversation is loving yourself is a personal responsibility project. And that's also bullshit in a world that's not built to support your body. And so I think what you're doing there is such an important shift for people. Instead of saying, like, how do you do this internal work, which may or may not need to happen at some point, it's how do you recognize how the larger systems of your life are failing to support you? Yeah, it has to be looked at that way. And we can't discount how chronic discomfort and chronic pain influence how we feel about our bodies. And sometimes there are small changes that can make you actually physically comfortable. But a lot of us who exist in larger bodies are so disconnected from our actual bodies that we can't even kind of tap into that. So I recently wrote about this kind of big debate that comes up every so often about whether to get weighed or not at the doctor's office. And if you do want to decline it, how to decline it. And Mm -hmm. I think it's an important conversation. But the bottom line with that issue is if you have a fat-friendly doctor, it basically becomes moot because even if you get on the scale, they're not going to use that number against you. And if you don't have a fat-friendly doctor and you are fat, your weight will be weaponized whether or not you get on the scale. So you have been doing, honestly, hero's work (laughs) building this database of fat-friendly healthcare providers. So tell us about this project. Yeah, I would love to. But first, I do want to shout out Jen McClellan from Plus Size Birth. She's Plus Mommy on Instagram. Literally, her work changed my life as a pregnant person. She wrote the book on plus size pregnancy. Her resources on plus size birth are so critical. And she does a lot of work training other medical professionals on how to be more size friendly. So I just want to shout out Jen, who I'm proud to say that she's my friend. She's amazing. I I know that you know her too. She has a directory 
for doulas, OBGYNs, and midwives on her page. There's another colleague of mine, Nicola. She runs Fat Positive Fertility, and she also has a book and resources on fertility services for people who exist in larger bodies and how to support yourself as you're navigating how to conceive in a larger body, which is Fraught. Incredibly <laughs> fat phobic yes. and very hard to do. And she also has a directory. So I want to shout out those two resources. Obviously, there are other directories that exist, but as you know, as my community, like we are just it's a very interactive community for Instagram. I call it a it's a we, not a me community, even though you'll see a lot of photos of myself on my <laughs> feed. But it's I feel it's a we. But we share a lot of recs and I couldn't get around people not sharing their their recommendations for healthcare providers and people need size-friendly care providers. And I don't know that a lot of people understand how critical it is to connect with a medical professional that does not operate with a weight bias or weight discrimination. It's a literal life or death issue. So I take it incredibly seriously, the recommendations I share, and I have a sheet, a Google Doc, basically, of providers that have been recommended to me that I'm pulling together into a more formal database as we speak. But um, right now, it's a Google sheet of shared recommendations. And having a size-friendly care provider means that you have people who are going to see a doctor more, who are more likely to get seen for an issue and, you know, a lot of preventative care that can happen there. It also can mean, like, a vastly, vastly different experience in your pregnancy, your birth, your postpartum. I have spoken to countless people who have been trying to conceive for years and have been told to freeze their eggs and seek weight loss surgery before they can come back. I have talked to people who have been unable to have doulas at their birth because of a high-risk determination that is not evidence-based because they are with, you know, a non-size-friendly care provider. I've talked to people who have serious issues, like life or death issues that were ignored for years because everything was so focused on weight. So this is such a critical resource for people in larger bodies to have. And so just to be able to do that work is like the most important thing to me out of all the things that I spend my days doing. So you're right. It's really life or death. And we will definitely link in the transcript to the Google Sheet for folks who want to search for providers. And you also have a form for people who want to submit their providers. So I'll link to that as well. Because, yeah, when I started talking about this on Instagram, I started getting people, you know, saying, well, I need a doctor in Seattle. And then people would be like, here are five doctors in Seattle. And that's great. But, like, we need a more organized way to do this. So, yes, I hope that there's going to be more of a like a universal database. But I think what Jen is focused on too is the training. And I think that's something that needs to be talked about more as well as just the, you know, the sharing of these gems of (laughs) care providers that are somehow like treating us with dignity and giving us medical care that we need. I was four months postpartum and I had decided to go to my PCP at the time. And I had horrible, painful water retention and my legs were so swollen. I mean, it was like hard to move my legs. It was hard to sit down. And she barely looked at my legs. She was focused on that. I had gained weight after my pregnancy, you know, and I was nursing at the time. And and so she 
really dismissed me. And it was because of my community that six months later, I went back and I demanded that I got a water pill. And within like a week after that, my swelling was gone. And I'm not directing anyone to go get a water pill, but I am directing them to advocate for themselves if they feel they've been dismissed. That six months you were in pain. I was in so much pain. Immediately, you have to seek out those other care providers. Those care providers that will treat you well and will listen to you, they do exist. You have to decide that you want this for yourself. And if your insurance allows for it, if you're able to make that change, please make that change because those care providers do exist. I'm so glad John is working on the training piece because it seems like we haven't even yet agreed upon the standards that you should have to meet to be a weight-inclusive provider. And I think often, you know, what I was seeing come up in a lot of my DMs were people saying like, well, I don't really know if this person is really health at every size, but at least they didn't give me a hard time about X. And like, the bar is way too low about what we're willing to accept. Like, they let me do a blind weight, but then they still gave me a lecture about weight loss. We need more of a consensus about what this really should look like and what you should be able to demand. Because I think fat people are just so used to expecting nothing or worse than nothing that it can be hard to even know where to start advocating for yourself. Because as soon as you're in the room, the power differential, everything about it is so, you know, stigmatizing and frustrating. It also becomes really tricky because fatness is a spectrum, right? So someone who goes in at a certain weight might be treated one way. Someone who is 30 pounds over that weight or more might be treated vastly different and categorized completely different. And then you have further intersections of that if you are BIPOC, if you are of the LGBTQIA plus community, there's those intersections that would make one healthcare provider uh, considered size friendly by one person and then completely different by another. And so it does get tricky. And these lists and these directories, I would always tell people, you know, call first, or if you don't feel comfortable calling, maybe have a friend or a partner come with you or advocate for you, or you can go in and talk to the front desk and just say like, these are the things that I'm looking for, or you can email, whatever, somehow to just start the conversation and go in advocating for yourself and be ready to advocate for yourself. Because even with these directories, you never know what the experience is going to be like, and you have to be prepared to advocate for yourself. Shiloh George, who is a wonderful advocate on these issues, I interviewed them for a piece for health last year and a strategy they have is writing up a one sheet of you, your primary health concerns, and just sort of stating some of your boundaries, just sort of being clear about what you need from the provider. And I think that can feel very scary and people are worried that they're going to make the doctor angry or start off on a right. the wrong foot. So I think, you know, that tool may not be for everybody, but I just want to throw it out as another suggestion. I think there's ways to do it that can be really empowering and very helpful. Yeah, and it could be a gentle hand. It could be, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Reagan Chastain on Instagram has amazing resources and a course that you can take and a lot of free resources and has been doing this work for so long, discussing medical fat phobia and how to advocate for yourself. Yeah, I will link to all of those in the transcript because I do think it's worth thinking through 
what strategy feels comfortable to you. Maybe you want to write down that sheet and it's not something you hand to the doctor, but it just helps you organize your own thoughts. And that could be a useful tool. I just want people to know that if you are in a larger body, you deserve to be treated with respect in the doctor's office. And shame is not an effective tool. And if you don't want to talk about weight, you do not have to talk about weight. I want more people to realize that that's even a thing. Because there was a time in my life where I didn't realize that was a thing. Well, now I'm going to pivot us back to Instagram. I don't have a good segue. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) But I'm just curious for someone who's doing the work and doing the work in a fat body, how do you think about your work as an influencer? What do you love about it? What do you want to see change in what is really an industry at this point? Yeah, that is such a good question. I don't know where the industry is going, but I do know that the representation has gotten much better since I started doing this in 2017. As more body positive parents or body positive influencers become parents, it's changed the momfluencer world to be a little more inclusive and we're talking about more things. But I think that some of the strongholds in the mommy brands and parenting brands need to also change with that. And I'm not necessarily seeing that change in terms of choosing parents that are in different bodies or represent different communities. I think they could be doing more to use different bodies in your marketing, on your site. Why am I not seeing more bodies that represent that average? A lot of us are in larger bodies and we don't we don't see ourselves. When you go on Pinterest and you're looking for maternity outfits for your photo shoot or you're downloading an app for your pregnancy and the first thing it talks about is a belly-only weight gain, is that influence really happening? Is it influencing the spaces it really needs to to change how people feel about their parenthood? I don't know if that's answering your question, but that's kind of something I think about a lot. It's making me think about when we do see influencers in bigger bodies doing a campaign with a brand, it's often because the brand has decided they want to brand themselves as body positive, right? So we're not yet at the point where body diversity is a given and you would just be the influencer selling this brand of cute diapers because whatever, you had the platform and the metrics they wanted. It's like you'd be selling the cute diapers because they want... We're running a body positive campaign. And for this one month, and that's it. That kind of thing is like really co-opting the rhetoric of the movement rather than furthering the movement because there's that tension. This is such a pain point for me too is because brands will do a campaign about plus size clothes that they have, right? And they will work with plus size influencers to market that campaign and use a budget to market that campaign for those clothes. And you walk into the store, you can't buy those clothes. Right, they're not stopped, yeah. <laughs> so they're using these campaigns to look good as a brand and you're not actually giving the access that everyday people can use to make their, their lives easier, you know? Um, yeah. Old Navy was one of one of these and they've changed, you know, they have, they had their, I forgot what they, what they called their campaign, but they now have all sizes in stores, yes. except for size 30. That one's online. but um, So close, Old Navy, almost there. <laughs> yeah. But for so long, they excluded plus size from coupons. They excluded plus size from stores. Not to make it about Old Navy, but they have such a huge customer base that's plus size. And they actually were like excluding us from so many different things. And 
doing campaign work with plus size influencers. And the same thing happens with in the influencer space with brands. But I think there are brands that are doing great things for sure, especially in the baby wearing community. But some of the very popular websites and apps and things for pregnancy where women and pregnant people really need to see themselves represented to feel good in their bodies and to feel good going through this special time. Like we need to see more. Aubrey Gordon had a great tweet recently where she said when brands do that kind of thing, with they're really using plus size people as cover to make their thin customers feel better. This is a brand that's really trying to be inclusive without having done the work of talking yeah. to fat customers, of making things that fat customers need. And I think it's important for all of us with any degree of thin privilege to think about Like, we might feel good that anthropology is carrying our size now, but who are they not serving? How much further do they need to go? And how do we hold them accountable? Who's not at the table with me? That's something that I'm asking myself a lot as I do this work. Like, who's not coming with me? I gained weight after my pregnancy. And that shift from a size 16 to a size 20 was so eye-opening for me because I became either out of certain ranges for certain brands, fashion-wise, or I was like the last size, right? So I found that things I was sharing, people were like, I wish it came in this size. Oh, that won't work for me. It's really hard to share something with your community and then realize that so many people are left out. And so I try to share as many inclusive brands as I can that have an extended size range or have a very inclusive size range. I wish there were more of them. And I think the same thing is true of the momfluencer space. It's like, who isn't coming with me? And you have to kind of look around. I just love that you are using your role as an influencer so thoughtfully and raising these questions that are sometimes uncomfortable questions, but that really need to be asked. It's a really important work. So thank you. I try. It's a lot of reflection and I'm certainly not showing up perfectly, but you know, I hope I'm getting better every year. I was actually just this morning digging up an old piece of writing and reading it and thinking like 2017 me still had a lot of learning to do and I'm Mm, glad to have mm -hmm. done the learning, but it Mm -hmm. is hard sometimes to look back and see. Yeah. So yeah. Cheers to progress, but yeah, we're all a work in progress. (laughs) Well, we end every episode of Burnt Toast with our recommendation segment, Butter for Your Burnt Toast. So would love to know what you are recommending right now. Clothes-wise, Universal Standard has like some amazing pieces out, like these foundation turtlenecks. I was admiring Um, that. (laughs) They have my favorite t-shirt, which is they do like a T-Rex and they have the essential tea. I highly recommend those. They are pricier, but they last and they are really worth it. You'll be happy with the quality. You've been influencing me about this turtleneck the whole time we've been chatting. It's very cute. So I'm very glad (laughs) that that was your recommendation because now I can go look (laughs) it up. That's excellent. My recommendation is going to be pretty off topic as they usually are. My recommendation Mm. is to go buy yourself some flowers. It is March. March is very long. I live in the Hudson Valley of New York where March is 19 months long every year because spring does not happen. And this is when I'm just really grateful. We have a very cool local flower store in my town and I go in once a week and buy myself some flowers. But, you know, grocery store flowers, like you don't have to like spend a ton of money on this, but just like the amount of hope I feel (laughs) having Mm. like something green and pretty. 
I hear you in Connecticut. I hear you. Yes, yes, you <laughs> know. <Lichfield> County. <laughs> yes, in the same frozen hellscape. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for being here. Tell listeners where they can follow and support your work. Thanks, Virginia. Mia O'Malley on Instagram and Plus Size Baby Wearing on Instagram. And you can find me on TikTok on under Plus Size Baby Wearing, which is not just baby wearing. It's a lot of everything. Fabulous. We will link to all of that. Thank you, Mia. Thanks, Virginia. Thanks so much for listening to Burnt Toast. Once again, if you'd like to support the show, please subscribe for free in your podcast player and tell a friend about this episode or consider becoming a Burnt Toast subscriber at virginiasoulsmith.substack.com. The Burnt Toast podcast is produced and hosted by me, Virginia Soul Smith. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at V underscore Soul Smith. Our transcripts are edited and formatted by Corinne Fay, who runs at Cell Trade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus-size clothing. The Burnt Toast logo is by Deanna Lowe. Our theme music is by Jeff Bailey and Chris Maxwell, and Tommy Heron is our audio engineer. Thanks for listening and supporting independent anti-diet journalism.